you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. Well, good morning. I'd like to, first of all, just welcome all of our visitors um, over from the wing. Um, it is great to have you guys over here in the main um, section. We don't get a chance to see you guys in this light very often, so um, I know some of you, that is a, that's a sore issue when we close off the wing, but um, thank you for humoring us and joining us um, over here in this side of the, of the church. Well, today we're going to be uh, wrapping up our series on the bruised reed. And so we've been in Isaiah 42, um, and we've been talking for this last month about um, God's heart for the vulnerable. And so we've talked about a variety of different vulnerable groups um, and how um, God's um, heart for them, and therefore our heart as a church and as a body of Christ should be. Um, and so maybe you remember last week, Doug, uh, who talked about special needs. Um, and just did a, a, just a masterful job of talking about God's heart for special needs, our heart, um, and shared the story of, of he and his daughter. Um, and so this week, we get to talk about um, something that I find so um, fun, and I hope you guys will uh, humor me in just having fun as we talk about God's heart and love for what I like to call um, the faithful finishers for our elderly. Now, when we talk about the elderly, um, I am not going to throw out any kind of uh, crazy age ranges, you know, so um, if you don't feel elderly, then I may just be talking to myself. It's okay. I'm not trying to make anyone elderly if they don't wish to be it, but um, if God is good and he gives us days, we will all see that day, I pray, that the gray hairs will be a crown of wisdom and glory given from God because there are so many who don't get the opportunity to maybe see some of those later years. Um, but as I thought about this and as I thought about particularly this church and I thought about those in this church um, who God has graced with the ability to see uh, many years, it I became divided in my heart and in my mind on how to preach this word. Because in one sense, when we talk about the elderly in the terms of this Bruce Reed series and God's heart and care, we have to talk about those around us who are shut in. And what should be our heart as the body of Christ for our neighbor down the street who may not, get it, who may not be able to get out much? Right? What should our heart be for, for the, the old woman or the older gentleman who are out trying to push their lawnmower on their grass down the block and we see it? And what should our heart response be? Right? Or we think about those who are in nursing homes who some don't get any visitors at all. And should that be something that should matter to our heart because it matters to the heart of God? that we would open up opportunities and say, you know what, maybe I will go once every two or three months or, or once a month or however God places on my heart just to go to be to have conversation with someone who, who may not just have just that personal touch from someone to say, hey, you have value. 
your life is still a life well lived. And, and though at this time in your life there, you may have been abandoned by some, the church is saying to you, you are not abandoned. And so I think there is a place in our heart that needs to be cultivated for those who are elderly. I mean, if we think about it, even in the infinite ministry in the church, I mean, let's look at those who are in those first, let's say 20 to 25 years of life. We've got nursery, we've got preschool, we've got post-preschool, we've got post-post-preschool, then we got promised land, then we've got, you know, youth group, then we've got young adult group, and we've got all kind of little groups and other things in the middle. And what happens when you get to that upper 25 years? Where's the investment? Right? We, there's this, this expectation, this thinking, this heart, maybe even amongst the church that we're like, oh, they're good. They got this. <laughs> maybe we need to rethink how our hearts, uh, even in ministry, as we minister to those who are a little ahead in years, maybe there's room for growth, even for us as the body here at Living Word. Amen? I have to call for an amen because I see I'm not going to get it on my own. So I'm going to prompt you all. So there's that. There's our genuine heart that needs to be in place for those who are elderly. And our heart needs to break for those who the part of God breaks for. And our care needs to be activated. Like I preached about a couple of weeks ago, our compassion needs to be activated. So that's not only the desire to do something, but the actual action it takes to actually do what needs to be done. We can have sympathy and empathy, but, but compassion says, let's go beyond that to act. And I believe that there are things, legitimate things that we can and should do as an action to care for those who are, um, who are older and who, who can't get around the way they can. That our car, you may not want to be a taxi service, but it could be a huge blessing for somebody just to be able to get to the grocery store. It could be a huge blessing for someone when we allow them to still be able to even just have some of that freedom to get around because it's one thing, we can always bring somebody groceries, which is great, and we should. But I think there is also something to talk about around the freedom that it gives if we say, hey, if you would like, once a month, I'm willing to just drive you to the grocery store so that you can get out and actually get a chance to just get around other people. Just, just, be, just be alive still. Because what I want to talk about today is more than just those who, who we feel can't do and so we feel like we need to maybe do for them or help. But we need to see the value that God places on those he's given those extra days, let's say those many years of seeing the rising and setting of the sun. I'm speaking of a person who has benefited greatly from that as my grandfather was born in 1906. He was 99 years old when he passed away a lot of years ago now. And my grandmother was 99 when she passed away. And they lived in Brunswick, Georgia. And I mean, you can't get any smaller. And not only that, they grew up in what would be considered a suburb of Brunswick, Georgia, which Brunswick is a town of about 7,000 people. They grew up on the outskirts of the 7,000 people town. Pinnock, Georgia, which had all of about one road, and that road wasn't even paved until the 90s. We knew we were at grandma's house when you got off the main road, 
onto the dirt road. And it was Georgia clay, which means that if it rained, we could not see grandma <laughs> because you could not get through there unless you had some kind of a four-wheel truck. And I remember so vividly, and my grandparents, which is just a huge blessing, where they were active up until, I mean, both of them, when it came time for their death, God just took them. They weren't sick for, for months or years or anything. I mean, it was like three or four weeks. They just got really sick and Lord took them home, which is a huge, huge blessing. But I got the benefit of the wisdom of a man who was born in 1907. Didn't see my grandparents often. We lived in Chicago. We didn't always have the resources to go see them. But the few strategic times that I recall seeing my grandparents were invaluable. And I, you guys, were so young. I was so young. I wish I could have asked them some of those questions now, right now that I've actually like experienced a little bit of life so that he could tell me about those early prohibition days and so he could tell me about all of the mistakes he made, so he could tell me about being the first African-American to work for the DNR back in Brunswick, Georgia, which was a crazy, like, didn't happen kind of thing. You know, all those stories that I would love to, to hear now when, it, when I can remember it and when it mattered, I've missed. But there are so many among us right now who are a wealth, of wisdom because of the number of years that God has given him on this earth. Church, we are missing an opportunity. We are missing an opportunity to tap into the wisdom that is in this space that we have right here, a part of this body. Now, I'm, I'm, we're along in time, so we're going to kind of cut a lot of this message short, but I will tell you um, Paul, and when we kind of, when I think about um, our elderly, particularly in this church, and I think about the energy and the vitality, I mean, you guys know it. If the wing was open, Bill Prince would be dancing during worship. That's just the, the life. He makes most of us look really, really bad. Because we stand like our feet are in concrete, and here's a guy who has seen a few rising and settings of the sun. Says, you know what, at this point in my life, it's all about him. And I don't care what you folks think. I'm a little paraphrasing a little bit for you, but I think that's in essence. Every time I see you dance, he's like, I don't care what you guys think. That's one of the beauties of having seen a few days in your life, is that your heart no longer has to worry about keeping up with the Joneses. Because a lot of times you've outlived the Joneses. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but but it, no, it doesn't have to, you don't have to think about those things anymore. Some of us are still trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're still, instead of looking at an eternal view, we're still very much looking at a very temporal, very earthly view. And there comes a point in life, and I don't know where that age breakout is, but there becomes a point in life where you get from thinking about the things that the world sees as valuable to your gaze and your focus being on what is eternal. That's a beautiful place to be. Oh, that we would all get a chance to see those days. Well, I could not talk about our faithful finishers without talking about running. Because I think there is no better analogy that Paul gives than running. Now, I ran track in high school and in college, and I was a big guy, so I can't say I was extremely fast, but they let me run anyway. And there are two times that I've run since college. Two. 
in, in events. I've run a few times here or there. My wife and I sometimes will get on the track and run the straightaway, you know, and then I pulled my hamstring or my Achilles, and then I couldn't even do that. That's a sign of old age, I think. Um, but there are two times. Uh, can we put up the first picture? Some of you guys remember this. So six years ago, there's a group of us that did the Tough Mudder, right? A Tough Mudder was a 12 plus mile trek through treacherous terrain, in the mud, over obstacles, all kinds of stuff. And we had had this group. And so some of you recognize some of those guys in there. Um, this was at the end when we had survived. That was six years ago. The second time I've run, don't mind this picture, but I, I wanted to share it anyway because it's family Sunday and we had our kids. So last week, you guys remember Elam came out um, and uh, he shared a little bit about the ministry of Elam and showed us the video. So about four years ago, I think it was, uh, Paul Barker and then Ryan Griffin and I ran the Elam 5K, all right? And that was the second race that I had run. Now, I have not run any kind of races since then. And it's funny, because as I thought about this, I thought about Diana Moorcraft this whole week, who is like the kind of running coordinator for Fleet Feet. And I was just like, I feel bad when I talk about running, because I'm so not that. Like, I want to be, I desire it, but it's just so not who God has made me to be. Um, though I probably could if I really tried, but I don't. So, um, but I think about those times when I have run races. And the cool thing about running a race, I, I don't know if you guys think it's cool or not, but one of the things I think is cool about running a race is that there's a very clear beginning of a race and there's a very clear end of a race. You know, and so sometimes for me, when especially running a 5K or running, I could gut through certain things because I know there's an end in sight. I know there's a finish line. Well, what happens when we get older and that finish line, maybe we know we're not going to see as many days ahead as we saw coming behind us, right? Maybe we've lived 60 or 70 years and we know that we won't see 60 or 70 years on this earth ahead. And so we begin straining. We begin fighting now more for what God has for us in eternity. And so how do we make these moments, these days, these years that we have matter and count? And so I want to encourage our faithful finishers that God is not done with you yet. That our heart is to care and love you and, and to care for those who need care and love. But as a church, we desperately need you. We desperately need your wisdom. We desperately need your view. I had brought a video and I wanted to show, but for the sake of time, I, I won't get a chance to, to share. But I, I want to share this quote. Uh, and this is a quote by Ingrid Bergman, who was an actress, and she was in like Casablanca and, and some of those things. But she says, getting old is like climbing a mountain. You get a little out of breath, but the view is much better. And those of us younger, we can't fully grasp or, or can't fully understand that, but we know that there's this sense that you are kind of climbing this mountain and you begin to get above the houses. You know, I think sometimes when we're in kind of our age, at least in, in my own age and in my 40s and begin to, you know, still kind of think about, oh, but, you know, what, I've got to work a little bit harder because there's this, this house that I want with the pool and the, and the this and the that, or, or there's this, 
you know, car, like I'm looking forward to my midlife crisis so I can splurge and get a sports car or a motorcycle. I hear that's what happens at that time. I don't know if that's true or not, but when I get there, I'll let you know, right? And you continue to, you know, you're still looking at these earthly things. And, and I feel like, you know, and from what she's saying and what I'm reading in scripture, there becomes this time when you kind of scale that mountain a little bit more in your years and you begin to look beyond all of this stuff. That stuff matters, doesn't matter in the least. And the view that you begin to see once you get above all of the mess, once you get above all these day-to-day anxieties and pressures that we most times place on ourselves, you begin to see this beautiful view of God on his throne and of how we are to live our lives. So I just want to just dwell on that for just a few moments. Talk about running. And 1 Timothy 4.8 says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So when I think about our, our elders, when I think about those older, I, I think about this idea of running it, it because there is this finish line that we're all moving towards and some are closer to that finish line than others, but there's this beautiful kind of transition from this physical running to this run, this race of life, this race of godliness, this value that is beyond just the physical striving, but it is a spiritual race that we're, that we're running that we want to develop our godliness over our physical bodies, over our physical strength. And so then likewise, Paul, who, you know, did not get to live to be extremely old. Many of you, you know, may or may not be aware that at the time when we're going to spend just a little bit of time in 2 Timothy, uh, which is one of the last letters that he wrote, that at that time he's in prison now in Rome the second time, and he knows his end is near. And we know through kind of historical data that he was probably just in his 60s. But he says these words to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. He says, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. One of the great things about the different sacrifices and offerings that were made, and you could go back to Leviticus. I'm not going to get into a lot because just too much to talk about in regards to that. But one of just the practical things that I, that I love when I think about the, the, the drink offering and the value is that it was a sense of pouring out everything, right? A, a wine or the sacrifice or whatever it might be to completely empty that flask or bottle or whatever. And Paul's saying, for I am, and he's, he's saying, I am being, I am in the process of being poured out like a drink offering, saving nothing for myself. When we're younger, we still feel like we need to pace ourselves. Yeah, 
I don't know if any of you are, are athletes or are sports people, and, um, but, you know, that's kind of was my life growing up. And, and one of the things that they always talk about is, is what does that mean to leave it all on the field? Right? You know, every game, every, every opportunity, you know, that somebody's yelling out, let's leave it all on the field. Let's not save anything for later. Let's not pace ourselves thinking, well, we got practice tomorrow, so let me save a little juice. Let me save a little energy for what's to come tomorrow. And I feel like sometimes in our younger days, we kind of feel like we kind of are pacing ourselves. Well, because I know that there's tomorrow, but let me tell you, this is a message for us all. It's tomorrow is not promised. So we need to pour ourselves out every day. Can I, can I say that again? Is that okay? That tomorrow is not promised to any of us, whether we've seen a lot of rising and settings of the sun or not. But we are to be pouring ourselves out every day. So when we talk about God's heart for folks, for the different vulnerable groups, we are to be pouring ourselves out, pouring that love that God continues to pour into us. We are to be pouring that out every day. Well, I already helped somebody this week, so I'll do something else again next week. No, there is this sense, and Paul is saying his life has been one where he has been poured out. He says, I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and that bottle is coming to a near end. Here's a beautiful thing, is that for as much as we pour ourselves out, guess who's so willing to fill us back up? How cool is that? That for as much as we pour ourselves out in love and service and care to others, guess who's always willing to say, oh, you're empty? Anybody ever had really good service at a restaurant where they won't let your cup get past halfway? before somebody's coming right back up to fill your cup back up again, doesn't that just make you feel good? You feel like you get, you get a little extra tip when you get that kind of service, right? If you got to sit there and wait with an empty cup, right? And you're like, seriously, where's my person? Why, why can't somebody fill me back up here? I'm, I'm thirsty now. But then you've got that service where, man, you take a sip and somebody's right back filling that cup. And after a while, you got more ice in your cup than water because they kept pouring. I know I'm getting into it. This is a I'm going back in the memory lane. That is our God. That is our God. That as quickly as we can pour out, our God is filling us right back up again. So he says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. He knows that he's coming to the near, to the end of his time, but he says this, and I love this for, for our, our seniors, our elderly, those who, are, who have seen some rising and settings of the sun, because he says, I have fought the good fight. Even though at that point that he wrote this, that the race wasn't over, he says, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And he's giving this advice to Timothy, to this young pastor who's been ministering at this time for about four years. And he's, he, in the earlier uh, part of this chapter, he's given him these, these concrete things that you are to do as a, as, as a young pastor. And then he turns the focus to himself and he says, I'm being poured out. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And there is in store for me this crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day and not only to me, 
but also to all who have longed for his appearing. To those of us with gray hairs, whether they're in your beard or on your head, or both, fight the good fight. Finish the race. Leave nothing on the field, as it were. And when I think about those of you in this church who have encouraged me so much, so much, those who, of you who I see as now that all of my grandparents are, are gone and with the Lord, that have become grandparents to me. For those of you who continue to pray and pray diligently for this church, who have, who have seen and lived through the toughest days and have seen and lived through the most joyous and beautiful days, that you continue to encourage and you continue to breathe your own just life into this body, that you are an active, willing participant in this family being what it is. I am telling you, I am encouraging you, I am imploring you, continue to fight, continue to run because this body needs what you bring. Your joy. I mean, I can't tell you how many times Ruth has come up to this very spot to bring a word that God has shared with her. And I just say, come on, God, bring it because I know I need this before she even opens her mouth. How many times that that's encouraging to me. To others who, who, who encourage us and my wife will be the first. There's so many of the women here who have, have encouraged my wife knowing that her mom passed away when she was 21 years old. And so for equally that number of time, I'm not gonna say her age, she might listen to this video, but for equally as many, as many years, she's had to live without her. And how important that affirmation is to her as a mom when older moms come to her and say, you're doing a good job. I, we so just had tears as we listened to Dave and Becky share a couple weeks ago about you know, them being parents to their false parents and saying, man, they know when, when their kids are acting up and being naughty. Don't need anybody to tell them that, but, but what does it mean to encourage? And I think of those in our body, in this very place that encourage so many young moms. Fight the good fight. Finish well. Keep the faith. Psalm 71, 9, this is where I'm going to finish, says this. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. What is your role, what is your purpose? If, if you are along in, in days, if you're along in years, if, if you are, are on this race and you are fighting the good fight, this is where your value is so 
just amazing according to God's word to us that you have to declare the power of God to this generation. We need to know that it's going to be okay. You guys have lived it and experienced it. You've gone through difficult times, some some that many of us in this room, unless you tell us, would have no idea what your struggles might have been through through early life or through, through middle life or whatever it might be. And you get this prime seat to say, let me tell you, young person, and if you call me that, I would appreciate it. Let me tell you of the power of God in my life through these difficult circumstances. So you get to keep your head up. You get to continue to move forward because the same God that did this in my life at that point, maybe 50 years ago, can do the same thing for you today. Your purpose is to encourage you are the rudder behind this boat. Your strength and your power is your testimony. Be encouraged this morning that we need your testimony that we need to be encouraged by your experiences. So I was going to finish with the last verse, but I had to throw this one out there because I thought it was awesome. Proverbs 61, 31. Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained in the way of righteousness. We see your crown. How awesome is that? God wanted to make sure that we don't miss it that those who know him, that live for him, that, that have died to self, they, their, their gray hair is this beautiful crown. And it lets us know it's a crown of splendor and it is attained in the way of righteousness. Let your righteousness go before you. Let your righteousness be your guide and your influence to us. And in church, we are to receive We are to open our hearts to receive from those who have gone before us, from those who are being poured out like a drink offering. We want to be on the receiving end of that pouring out. And oftentimes there are things that we don't have in our lives when we talk about we don't have connections to family or to different things. And a lot of times our reasoning is because we have not opened our mouths to speak and say, I need. You know, I remember some years ago, I I preached a message and I talked about how much I love and desire when somebody just comes up to me and gives me a hug. I'm not a big hugger, but there are often times when I need it and the manliness of me will never say, I need it. It won't say, somebody just come and give me a hug, right? Sounds a little desperate and sad. (laughs) But oftentimes it is at just that right time when someone, and it's generally someone who's, who's older and who's like, yeah, I don't care about that whole personal boundary stuff, right? I'm, I'm above the mountain on that. I'm done with that. People just need a hug. And I often get exactly what I need when I need that. Not because I've spoken it, but because God knows it. And, 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 and let me tell you, I must admit, there are times when I just need to speak it. Say, Bill, brother, need a hug. We can become the recipients. As we think about Ralph Spencer and we think about his amazing, amazing life to live all those years, to have seen and have raised his children the way he has, to be such a, a fixture of just love and smile, never seen that man without a smile on his face. To be the recipient of that. 
God, I know there are days when it was tough for him, maybe even just to get up out of bed. But I tell you what, you wouldn't see it by the way he brought himself in here. Driving that big old boat. Love that big old car. But he'd drive and he'd come in here and he would sit there and I'd just see him. A smile on his face. Or Ev, giving me books. Say, you need to read this. Ev, I'm still working on it. But I'm going to get it done to encourage me. We have beautiful, beautiful people among us, church. And we need to be recipients of that offering that they give of lives well lived. Amen? I have gone over you guys. There's so much more I want to say. This is such an important, important word for us. But God has a heart for those who sometimes the world writes off. He does. And our heart needs to be in line with his heart to say that there is no grouping of people, whether they're disabled or they're old or they're fatherless or they're widow or they're orphaned or they're divorced or whatever, to throw them away and say your value has been diminished because of whatever. No. In this place, in this house, are we as the, as, the, as the body of Christ, we're going to recognize. We're going to receive. We're going to bless. We're going to honor. As a result of having gone through this series, I pray that no matter who God brings to these doors, church, we will honor, no matter what the circumstance, anyone who comes in this place because of their value, because of their purpose in the eyes of God. Therefore, in our eyes as well. Amen. 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 I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to close this out, and I apologize that I had not rush through this, but um, you guys get God's heart in this. And as we leave this place, if you don't have to run out, and I understand if you do, but if you don't have to run out, um, Alex and Vianney are going to be in the back, their family, and we, I really would encourage you, even if you can't stay long, to just come through and just say, hey. Just come through and just introduce yourself. The cake is fat-free, so you don't have to worry. This is no-carb Sunday, so there is no carbs or fat in the cake, so you can just use your holy imagination, and that would be true. Uh, Okay, that's probably not true, but anyways, have a little piece of cake. Everybody gets a cheat day, amen? Some of us take too many, but we at least get one. Uh, But I really encourage you. It is beautiful to be family together. Our tasting seas are over. I know, my son's booing. It's a boo type of thing. So we now have to be extra intentional about taking extra opportunities to connect as a body. Amen? So, Jose and Mimi, it's great to see you guys. Always, it's a blessing to have you guys here with us. Let's stand together, guys, as we pray to close. Lord God, I just pray that somewhere in my babbling and trying to figure out in my notes what to talk about and what not to and how to make the time work, Lord God, that your heart was communicated. God, it's never been about my words. 
It's only been about you and what you want your church, what you want your body, God, because you want us to reflect you. You want when people see us, God, that they see you. God, you want that your body would be without a spot or blemish. And not that any of us are perfect, Lord God, but, but we walk in the righteousness of Christ, that, that righteousness that was imputed to us. It's, it's a big word, but, but God, that when you died on that cross for us, that you took away our sin and that you gave us the perfectness of your son the cleanliness, the purity of him. So God, I pray that we would walk in that. God, I pray that we would honor those of, of us in this space who, who, have, who have lived more years than us and, and who have learned more things, God, that we would seek that wisdom. Lord God, I pray that we would never have anyone who is, who is elderly, who's along in years that doesn't feel valued or cared for or loved in this place, Lord God, because they carry with them a crown of glory and righteousness in their age. And God, that we need to be recipients of that, Lord God, that their legacy, their fingerprint on this church would be all over everything, Lord God because they can call us above the fray and the mess of the world to say, just keep our eyes on Jesus. For many of them, that was in their toughest times, the only thing they had to look at. And God, you sustained them and you kept them, covered them, provided for them. Lord God, that that testimony would become our testimony. So God, I just thank you, God. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for our time of worship. I thank you for your word. I thank you for breakfast, God. I thank you even for now we get to enjoy dessert together, God. God, I thank you that you love us so much, that you care for us, and that you want us to be like you. God, if anyone in this place, Lord God, is, is feeling sickness, Lord God, I pray your healing over their bodies, Jesus. If anyone is feeling anxiety about the thing that's to come this week, Lord, I pray your peace, Lord Jesus. If anyone's afraid of, of the results of anything or whatever, God, I, I pray that you would squelch our fear because your perfect love drives out fear. God, that if you are for us, then who can be against us? So God, I pray that this body would walk in victory this week, Lord Jesus. Lord God, I pray that we would love one another well. Bind us together, Lord. Unify us that we might bring glory to you in the way we love one another. So take us from this place, Lord God, but not from your presence. Lord God, that we might be a blessing, Lord God, that we might find those who need your touch, who need your love, who just need time, and that we might make time to care and to love on others that our testimony, Lord God, would be not that we show up in this building on Sunday, but that we take Jesus with us every day of the week. We praise you, Jesus, and we thank you. In your holy name, amen.